it's going to scratch. Okay. They made me use one of these things in England, too. All right, let's see. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to several passages. And we're going to do a little bit of Scripture reading. And I'll ask you if you would stand, please, for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to read several passages. And then we're going to draw some conclusions about a particular subject or topic from those passages. So we're going to first turn someplace that you've been more recently. Um, I don't know exactly when that was. I've been gone quite a bit. But Hebrews chapter 2. Let's read just a few verses from there. Hebrews chapter 2. And... Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to read verse 9, verse 10, verse 14, and verse 17. We won't take time to read all the ones in between, but we are going to read those. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things... And by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of the devil. Verse 17. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him, which means it was uh, fitting for him or almost like it was an obligation for him. For in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brothers, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I think you'll see a theme that is running through these passages as we go. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Paul say, I believe here Paul saying he rejoices in his sufferings for the Colossians. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. For his body's sake, which is the church. Now turn over to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And let's read verse 12. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out, rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. I want to talk to you tonight about suffering for the furtherance of the gospel. Suffering for the furtherance of the gospel. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. I pray that you would help us First of all, Father, to rightly divide the word of truth. Second, Father, I pray that you'd help us to see 
if there's any error in our thinking about suffering. And also, Father, I ask that you'd help us to be encouraged for those who are suffering, to be strengthened for the gospel's sake, but also, Father, to understand how we might endure suffering as a good soldier, but also, Lord, that we might use our suffering to help others, that we might further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I know that you said in your word that the things that happen to us as Christians are the same things that happen to those who are in the world. But Father, we have you that you might take the sufferings that we endure and use them to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray tonight, Father, that whoever is here tonight that has ears to hear that you have sent me to preach this message for would have exactly what they need tonight. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, I bind the spirit of pride. Lord, that would cause us to think that we... Lord, to use our own mind, to lean onto our own understanding. Father, I pray tonight that we would lean to your understanding and acknowledge you in every way. And I pray that as we do so, Lord, that you would direct our paths. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So Paul starts out in Philippians and he says, The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul, if we continued in Philippians chapter 1, we find out that Paul was having, he was suffering and he was having, he was actually in bonds and some people were even while he's in bonds, while he's chained up, while he's uh, incarcerated, so to speak, while he's in the prison or in the dungeon, we find out that there were some that were always actually going out and doing things to try to make his imprisonment worse that they might make him suffer more. But Paul had just finished saying to the Philippians that I am confident that he which began the work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he said to the Philippians, it is meet for me, it is appropriate, it is okay for me to think this of you because I have you in my heart and you're partakers of my grace. In other words, the favor that God has given me to preach the gospel, you are now also partakers of that favor. And so I know I'm confident that you're going to continue, that God's going to continue to perform it. And hey, I want you to know that all these things that are happening to me, you've heard about it, and maybe you've seen it, but I want you to understand that the purpose, the reason that is happening to me is for the furtherance of the gospel. It is that the gospel might be propitiated. It is that the gospel might be increased. It is that the gospel might continue on, that it would never cease. And that's why all these things happen unto me. And he says to the church at Philippi, it is given to you not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. I think sometimes we make a mistake. I know in the prosperity gospel world, it is a big mistake. That we preach Jesus and we give this idea that when you accept Jesus, everything's beautiful. 
when we accept Jesus, we begin on the winning side. Amen. When we accept Jesus, we're no longer on the side against, the, against Christ, the most powerful, the omnipotent one. But when we accept Jesus, that doesn't take away our problems. It doesn't take away our fears. It doesn't take away our distresses. It doesn't take away our sufferings. It simply puts us on the side of the one that can take us through the sufferings, that can give us peace in the midst of the storm, that can calm the storms of our life. And my friend, hey, Jesus, Paul said to the church at Philippi, it's not only to give and unto you to believe but it is also given unto you to suffer for his sake I want to say to you tonight not as a way of discouragement but a way of understanding that we might be encouraged when we go through suffering that hey we aren't just called to believe in Jesus Paul said to Timothy endure hardness as a good soldier None of us like to endure hardness. None of us like to go through the suffering. But there's a reason why Paul said to the church at Philippi, you're not just called to believe in him. There's more to it than that. When Adam sinned, it placed man in a position to be bound to sin and the evil one, Satan. And it created a law, if you would, that in order to be freed from that condition, suffering must come. Jesus must come and suffer for the people and die to defeat Satan, that man might be freed. You and I, if we are true Christians, will sometimes, for the gospel's sake, be asked to walk in the steps of Christ. There are people and places that are under the bondage and the slavery of sin and they will not be freed unless the church is willing to suffer for the furtherance of the gospel. Unless people are willing to say, it's not only given unto you to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Paul said to the Colossians, we already read it. <clears throat> Paul said, he rejoices in suffering. That he might fill up that which is behind of the sufferings of Christ. That word behind gives the connotation like there's a debt owed. And it must be paid. Paul gives us the idea that while Christ suffered... There's still some suffering that must be done for people to be freed. And that Paul was rejoicing that he would be counted worthy to be the one to fill up that suffering for the church at Colossae. You know, God did not choose sin. 
It was not God's original plan, in my belief and opinion, that man would sin and that destruction and suffering would come from sin. But man chose sin. And because of man's sin, there is suffering. Because of man's sin, there is bondage to Satan and sin. And so Christ came to suffer himself that he might free those who are in bondage to self and Satan and sin. And God calls upon us. He says, hey, when you believe, don't just be called to believing. Don't just believe, but be willing and understand that for the world out there, for the gospel to go forth, for the darkness to be cast out, for the darkness to be bound, for the evil one to be bound, sometimes suffering must come that others might be freed. Hey, we must understand that for us to be freed, somebody suffered that we might have the life. Somebody suffered that we might have the truth. Maybe somebody fasted and prayed and went without. Maybe somebody gave of all that they had into the offering plate to run a bus or to knock on your door to drive their car to your house. They suffered that you might be freed. We must not just believe, but we must understand that for the furtherance of the gospel to come, suffering might be required. We often have an idea that when the Bible says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth, of the world, we have an idea that that means nothing will happen that will cause us to suffer. I was thinking recently about the time in Ghana where I went through a, in a few weeks, went through a lot of suffering personally. I cut my arm open on some metal tin, about a a three-inch gap, and my wife had to glue me back together. I had a bike accident and messed up my knees and my hands. The power line, literally, we were watching out, looking out 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 the window one night, and our power line just started sparking, and all of a sudden caught on fire, and then it fell in our yard. At the same time, I was being taken to the law so that somebody that I had helped that was being cast out and I had housed them and fed them and took care of them for two years was now taking me to the law saying I owed them something. All this was in a very short period of time when we were starting a church. I remember laying on a hospital bed Wondering if I was, if God, what I believed God had told me, that he needed much more work to be done was true, or if I had made a mistake and I wasn't going to walk out of that hospital. I remember walking before the people who I had told, God is more powerful than the gods behind these idols. I remember thinking, has God asked me to suffer that they might be freed? I remember him revealing to me that there is suffering that must be filled up 
of the suffering of Christ for the sake of the body of Jesus Christ. I had been suffering like a good soldier. I had been enduring hardness with a hand-to-hand combat with an unseen enemy. I would walk to the lakeside and I would look out and I would shout into the sky and I would say, you're not going to win! God gave me this land and I'm going to take it for Jesus Christ. But I remember as the suffering continued, coming home to my wife one day and saying, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to the lake to pray. And if God doesn't change my mind, We're done. I believe many of us, as I did, have the wrong view of suffering. I believe we misunderstand its place in Christianity. And so we are taken aback and blown away when we suffer. Tonight I want to give you four reasons, I think five actually, why we suffer as Christians. We don't have a lot of time and I won't belabor the points. Number one, we suffer by God's grace. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says that he by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. By the grace of God. That word grace means favor. Because of God's favor on Jesus Christ, he would taste death for every man. We hear a lot of talk this day about grace. I'm not sure I've heard a lot of talk about suffering because of God's grace. When the angel came to Mary and he said, Thou art highly favored. He was saying, God's grace is on you. He's chosen you. And Mary suffered. For the rest of Mary's life, she understood that most people did not know or believe the truth. She was favored. I want us to understand that when we suffer, that doesn't mean it could, we have to take stock in ourselves, it could mean we have suffered for unrighteousness. But there's a suffering that comes when God says, I believe in you enough to choose you to suffer for my sake. I know that some of you, many of you, have been going through some of these sufferings. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. Number two, Suffering is to make us perfect or mature as Christians. 
Verse 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Perfect through sufferings. It means complete. It means mature. <clears throat> There's another place where it says, he Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. It's interesting. It's not talking about obedience of not doing wrong. It's talking about God allowing suffering into our lives to teach us, to fine-tune us to his voice. To fine-tune us to be mature as a Christian. Not to be a child as a Christian or a baby Christian, but to mature us, to make us mature, that we might also be like our Father, which in heaven, as Jesus said, be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven, which is, which is in heaven, is perfect. Why do we suffer as Christians? It may be because of God's grace. Number two, it may be that God is using it to help us to mature. I think it's important to understand here as I say this again, this is not, this is because of sin. If not for sin, we wouldn't have to worry about these things, but because of sin, we as human beings just don't seem to grasp some things unless God allows us to suffer, to mature us. Number three, we suffer to destroy the work of the devil. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part in the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And if we look over the other passage of scriptures, John chapter 12, for instance, that teaches us that when we choose uh, against Satan, we cast out Satan from our life, we, we have power over him, and God allows us to suffer, I believe, that we might destroy the works of the devil. The question for us is, can we grasp in a selfish culture in which we live that it's okay to choose to suffer that others might be freed. To say, God, use me to defeat the kingdom of darkness. God, there's a powerful grip on this city of Memphis. There's an evil one that controls it through music through depression. God, help me to break this darkness. Number four, God allows us to suffer to make us merciful and faithful reconcilers. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, there, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, that to make reconciliation for the sins of the people.
God said, I need you, Jesus, to be merciful and faithful. High priest. And so he brought him to earth. God manifested in the form of a man. God himself saying, you know, it's easy to sit up here and judge a creation as God. But how about if I choose to understand by experience the frailties of the human body, the human nature, that I might be tempted to be merciful when they're tempted. That I might be tempted to be faithful to make intercession for them. God sometimes allows us to suffer that we might be merciful in reconciling others to him. That we might be faithful in reconciling others to him. Number five, we already mentioned it's for the furtherance of the gospel. This is not a full doctrinal study of suffering. It's three passages. But Paul said all these things have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. At the lake, I wept and prayed for four days. I told God I could not continue to fight the enemy that I could not see. I told God I couldn't go any further. For four days I wept and prayed as my wife, I'm sure, wept and prayed wondering what was going to happen. I can't say that I jumped up at the end of that battle and said, It's mine! After four days, I looked up to heaven and said, God, I don't want to do this. But I will, if it's what you want. Suffering is not something that we have to be eager as God himself in the form of man was not eager. Jesus, God in the form of man, asked that the cup might pass. But for the gospel, that we might be delivered from Satan, self and sin, he gave in. To God's will. I'm simply trying to help us understand tonight. That if you're suffering. And it's not from sin. God. Wants to use you. To deliver others. 
from the power of Satan. God is maturing you for the sake of the gospel. God is making you a faithful and merciful reconciler. And God wants to use your sufferings. He wants, he wants to do is He wants to work all things together for good. And what I say to you tonight in conclusion is this. Understand that we can use our sufferings to benefit others. We don't have to allow the suffering to use us. But we can use the suffering for Him. I think of, I, I don't know where the term came from, but I remember as a, I think of probably in Bible college I first heard the term, but I remember guys would say, maybe we were playing basketball or football, and somebody made a good play against you. They'd say, you got used. My friend, we don't have to let suffering use us. Let us use our sufferings for the furtherance of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says this, Who comforteth God, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You know what happens when we use our suffering? God gives us comfort. And when others suffer, we can go to them and give them comfort. And we can use that suffering. Let it mature us. Let us make us a faithful and, and, and merciful priest. Not high priest. He's the high priest, but a faithful and merciful priest, an intercessor, if you would, that would go to God on the behalf of others when we see that they are in suffering and saying, God, I've been there. I understand it. I know what they're going through. God, would you deliver them? Would you not let their faith, would you please help their faith not to fail in the suffering that they are in? God, would you bring them through? God, would you help them to grow in the nurture and admonition of Jesus Christ? God, let me be faithful to encourage those who are in suffering. I think we make a great mistake in Christianity when we think that because we're Christians, it's not right, it's not fair, it's not just if we suffer. It wasn't fair. It wasn't just. It wasn't right that Jesus suffered for us. But he did. Are we willing to say like Paul, it's okay. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. Let's take our suffering and use it for the kingdom's sake. You know, there's suffering people all around us. But they have no Christ. They have no peace. They have no word in their life that can give them the strength to say, God, thy will be done. And so God wants to use us 
who are willing to suffer for his sake to bring them out of bondage from Satan and self and sin for the furtherance of the gospel. I know it's not an exciting get up, be excited message. But I think it's one that's needed in our Christianity today. Paul said, it is given to you not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. God, give us not the desire for suffering, but the willingness for the gospel's sake to suffer for his sake. Father in heaven,